The following podcast is part of a certified educational activity titled Hope is on the Horizon, the clinical potential of emerging disease-modifying therapies for managing complement 3 glomerulopathy. Access the entire activity and complete the post-test at peerview.com forward slash JCU860. Downloadable practice aids are also available. Greetings, this is Dr. Carla Nestor from the University of Iowa. Welcome to this educational activity on C3 glomerulopathy or C3G. For those that do not have a firm understanding of the complement system, we will briefly review its physiologic role in this setting. We will then follow with a general description of the disease and current management. Finally, we will discuss the next generation of therapeutics being developed to treat this disease. First, let's discuss what is the complement system. First, with respect to complement, it is the front line of defense against infection. It is second only to the skin barrier. It is, importantly, rapidly activated and has multiple immune surveillance functions. Particularly, it was called the complement system because it could complement the ability of antibodies in phagocytic cells to clear pathogens in damaged cells from the host. The complement system also facilitates destruction of pathogens by lysis. And finally, it is a very powerful pro-inflammatory weapon. There are three complement pathways that we generally speak of. The first that we'll discuss is the lectin pathway. It is triggered by circulating carbohydrates on viruses and bacteria when they engage mannan binding protein, or MBL. The complement system is triggered and progresses. Then there is the classical pathway. Pathogen surfaces of antibodies bound to antigens bind C1Q, the first protein of the classical pathway, triggering activity down the classical pathway. And like the lectin pathway, both of these pathways feed into the alternative pathway. This will become important. The alternative pathway is the third pathway we should review very quickly. There are two important aspects of this pathway. The first is that the AP is constitutively active, meaning it is always on and does not require a trigger. Secondly, the AP is the amplification loop for both the lectin pathway and the classical pathway. It is these two features of the alternative pathway which in fact make it an ideal target for the complement-mediated kidney disease treatment. At this point, I would like to show you a 3D animation of the complement system. The alternative complement pathway is the main route the body uses to detect and destroy foreign structures. Hepatocytes in the liver synthesize small proteins. These complement proteins circulate in the blood as inactive precursors, awaiting activation. When the complement proteins detect a foreign structure, they activate. Proteases in the system cleave specific proteins, releasing cytokines, setting off an amplifying cascade of further cleavages. C3 convertase plays a major role in activation. Then C5 convertase signals the cytokines to begin to attack the invader in a very organized way directing several cytokines to form a membrane attack complex which breaches the invader cell membrane and destroying the invader. Complement activation also stimulates phagocytes to clear foreign and damaged material and signals the adaptive immune system to attract even more phagocytes, generating acute inflammation. 
The complement system has the potential to be extremely damaging to bodily tissues, so its activation must be tightly regulated. C3 glomerulopathy is a disease of complement dysregulation in which C3 complement accumulates in the basement membrane of the glomeruli, damaging the kidney. Now let's jump ahead to what exactly is C3 glomerulopathy. C3G is a rare heterogeneous renal disease. It's a disease of complement dysregulation. That's why we introduced the topic by talking about the complement system. It's a renal disease that results from deposition of complement, particularly C3 and C3 breakdown products onto the kidney. It's a classic proliferative disease because of these complement deposition products that is a highly immune proliferative glomerulonephritis. Two forms are recognizable by electron microscopy. The first is dense deposit disease. The second is C3 glomerulonephritis. What are the drivers of C3G? The main driver is, in fact, acquired drivers. And what we mean by this is that the host has developed antibodies that affect the normal function of the complement system. I'm sure you have heard of nephritic factors. They tend to be the major driver, and they are autoantibodies that have been created that interfere with the primary enzymes of the complement system. Essentially, what you see in the setting of nephritic factors is, is that those enzymes are hyperactive. Less commonly, but just as important, are the genetic variants. And in fact, there can be complement gene variants in C3, CFB, factor H, and others that are causal for C3 glomerulopathy. These two drivers of disease, in fact, predict where we should be thinking about targeting the complement system. Who is affected by C3G? Considerable knowledge gaps exist in our understanding of the natural history of C3G. However, we know that it is an ultra-rare disease. The prevalence is believed to be approximately 3 to 5 individuals per million. The median age at diagnosis is 23. This very frequently affects the young patient. However, to be clear, it can be diagnosed at any age. Importantly, which we will not discuss terribly much today, is this idea that if presentation occurs first at the age of 50 or older, we must think about paraprotein-driven dysregulation of the complement system. So what is the prognosis for patients with C3G? C3G often progresses to end-stage kidney disease, and it does it within 10 years of diagnosis. Approximately 70% of pediatric patients will have this prognosis. 30 to 50% of adults will progress to end-stage kidney disease within 10 years. C3G does recur in kidney transplant, unfortunately, very frequently. Histopathologic recurrence is likely to be ubiquitous. However, 50% will develop significant allograft dysfunction and finally loss. This dismal prognosis, in fact, is the impetus for therapeutic development. So how does C3G present clinically? It's a varial presentation, and in fact, it can be asymptomatic hematuria and relatively low-grade proteinuria. However, it may also present with the classic signs of fairly aggressive glomerulonephritis. The patient history often includes hypertension, which can be severe. Some patients also often have acute kidney injury or chronic kidney disease, even at the time of presentation. Importantly, not all patients have a low C3 which was originally felt to be the case in C3G. Standard biopsy indications are important. However, we must also recognize that delays in kidney biopsy may actually challenge renal survival. What is the diagnostic workup for C3G? 
The most important aspect, of course, is the diagnostic kidney biopsy, which has been decided upon consensus that the immune fluorescent staining for C3C must be two orders of magnitude greater than any other immune reactant. This is the critical aspect of the diagnosis. Specifically, no other criteria are required. In addition to this biopsy, however, you must also rule out an infectious process that may have occurred within the last 12 weeks. This is specifically because an infectious or a post-infectious presentation may look exactly like C3G. And as already mentioned, paraproteins uncommonly can act to dysregulate the complement system. Therefore, a paraprotein-related C3G does exist, and it's important to identify this because the treatment process may be different. Since KDGO 2021, we now know that part of the diagnostic workup includes an assessment of complement biomarkers. This was meant to be a forward-thinking statement and is meant to help us characterize these patients as we approach some of these newer therapeutics. And then finally, in very many patients, complement gene testing may in fact be necessary. Managing C3G can be quite difficult. Current management protocols are not based on clinical trial data, and the response to therapy has been quite variable across the individual cohorts. Before we talk about emerging strategies to treat C3G, I would like to briefly recap what the current approach to management of C3G is. All patients should receive supportive cares, which includes ACE inhibition, blood pressure control, and even lipid and weight control. The most recent KDGO guidelines are very specific about what is next. It is unfortunately based on, as I mentioned, an absence of randomized control trials. However, this is the recommendation. In patients with moderate to severe disease, initial treatment should be mycophenolate and glucocorticoids. This was simply because there is a significant cohort of patients that will respond. Published literature would support that there is quite a variable response to the current therapeutics for C3G. The initial cohorts showed an admirable response with an 86 and 59% response rate in the initial cohorts that were reported. However, subsequent cohorts reported as low as 45% and even 12.5% of patients responded to mycophenolate. At this point, the benefit of eculizumab is unestablished, and in fact, it is not clear who should be treated and who should not be treated with an agent such as this. If you think about eculizumab more specifically, we understand that it will block the terminal pathway of the alternative pathway. When this agent is used, it seems to also have a variable response similar to what we have seen with mycophenolate. And in fact, published data suggests that approximately one-third of patients will respond to eculizumab. Response is not predicted by the degree of terminal complement activity as is annotated by laboratory studies. It remains difficult to predict who will respond. Clinicians have attempted to use rituximab in this setting with presumably the intent to reduce the nephritic factors. Unfortunately, the response to this agent has been variable, and in fact, it is not used. The truth of the matter is, is that C3G often progresses despite treatment with existing therapies. 
If we think about current therapeutics and why they may or may not work, it is reasonable to look back at the alternative pathway and where we believe the drivers are. Steroids and mycophenolate no doubt assist with the immune response to anaphylatoxins that are generated from the complement system, and they may in fact alter B cell function with respect to production of nephritic factors, but they do not specifically affect the accumulation of complement breakdown products on the kidney. In a somewhat analogous fashion, terminal complement blockade will inhibit the immune reaction to the C5A anaphylatoxin and will inhibit any disease activity that is related to the membrane attack complex. However, the degree of upstream activity that continues in the setting of either of these therapeutic interventions appears to perpetuate disease. With this in mind, let's move forward to emerging C3G treatments. If you think about the four A's of the complement system, and we're speaking specifically of assembly, activation, amplification, and attack, you may recall that eculizumab would act at the level of attack. So eculizumab acts at the level of the membrane attack complex. The emerging therapeutics generally move quite upstream of this and move their inhibition into both the activation and the amplification phases. Our next step is to focus on emerging therapeutic options for C3G. Those agents that are FDA-designated orphan drugs are now working their way through clinical trial. They include a factor D inhibitor, a factor B inhibitor, a C5A receptor blocker, and two separate C3 inhibitors. Let's go through each one of these individually. Let's first talk about Avacapan, the C5A receptor blocker. While unfortunately the clinical outcomes data was not favorable, an interesting component that has been recently published is that this agent may well affect the development of the chronicity of a C3G biopsy. We anxiously await additional information on this. How about the factor D inhibitors? There are two that have made their way to the clinical trial setting. One is Danicapen. The other one is still under its pharmaceutical name of BCX9930. We have limited data on either of these. However, it is important to note that, number one, they're targeting the appropriate part of the pathway, and number two, they have begun the process of working through the trial setting. As we move forward, I thought it important to go back and think about outcomes. In general, the outcomes that are looked at in these settings are that of proteinuria and renal function. These are simply because these are the surrogate endpoints that are accepted by regulatory agencies. For this reason, when we look at these final two agents, we will look at their effect on these two outcomes. At this point, I would like to show you a 3D animation. Factor B, a key regulator of assembly and activation in the alternative pathway of the complement system, is cleaved by factor D into two fragments, BA and BB. Fragment BB combines with C3B to generate C3 convertase. Fragment BB also combines with C3B to generate C5 convertase. Initial evidence from investigational studies of factor B inhibitors, such as iptacopan, indicate that targeting the alternative complement system before the formation of the membrane attack complex may reduce proteinuria. 
Iptacopan is a factor B inhibitor. In the phase two trial that was published, the investigators saw a 49% reduction in baseline urine protein in those patients who were treated. They also saw a mean increase in the GFR as well as a predicted GFR preservation of 6.4 milliliters per minute. What you can see by this is there does appear to be some therapeutic benefit of targeting the upstream pathway of the alternative complement system. In an exploratory fashion, what this particular agent also appeared to do is improve the C3 level. So the C3 level going from low towards a more normal range. Our next agent is pegcetacoplan, a C3 inhibitor. We will look at this study also with respect to urine protein. The investigators noticed 65% reduction in 24-hour urine protein in those patients who were treated. They also noted an improvement in serine albumin and in normalization of the C3. In those patients who were treated, there was a stabilization of the creatinine. Moving forward, we anticipate a number of these agents will be available in clinical trial. Namely, we expect that the BCX9930 factor D inhibitor will open soon as a phase two inhibitor. The factor B inhibitor, iptacopan, will open soon as a phase three inhibitor. And finally, the pegcetacoplan agent will open soon as a phase three inhibitor. I think we have reached an exciting time in the treatment of C3 glomerulopathy. While it is true that current therapeutics are somewhat effective, moving forward, we anticipate that this concept of upstream blockade may prove to be very beneficial in this group of patients. Upcoming trials in either phase two or phase three are coming. Also, we will have the opportunity to be able to choose between mode of delivery, age of patient who is eligible for enrollment, and whether we will have an agent or a trial agent that will be available for a native versus a transplant kidney. In conclusion, C3G is caused by overactivation of the alternative pathway of complement, and it may be driven by either genetic or acquired abnormalities of the complement system. Nephritic factors, autoantibodies to the convertase enzyme, are the primary driving force. Renal biopsy is the sole diagnostic criteria. Even with a diagnostic renal biopsy, it is important to rule out infection and paraprotein-related disease. Current therapeutic options are not targeted and are of variable success. The prognosis for the majority of C3G patients continues to be poor. Complement modulating therapy targeting upstream inhibition shows great promise in preliminary data that are being published. These agents make mechanistic sense, and we have great hope for their success. This concludes our discussion for today. I hope you found the activity informative in advancing your understanding of complement-based kidney disease, and I hope you feel more confident about how C3G is diagnosed and treated, and we'll be watching for the new developments for the emerging therapeutics. Thank you for your participation. This activity is certified by Penn State College of Medicine. This activity is developed in collaboration with our educational partner, PVI, Peerview Institute for Medical Education. Thank you for listening. Download materials and complete the post-test for instant credit at peerview.com 
forward slash JCU860. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.